0: This morning, our text is Matthew, chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. If you'll follow along with me. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you, re- you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. There is a movie that was released in the last five years or so called The Help, um, Some of you probably have seen it. It's a a great movie. It's about 1950s, 60s era um, Memphis, Tennessee, right as the Civil Rights Movement was uh, really at its highest. And it's about the culture of the African-American women who worked in the homes of of the wealthy white families of Memphis as nannies and maids. And the main character... Um, her name was Abilene She was a nanny slash maid for a family And one of the opening scenes of the movie Shows her walking into the bedroom The nursery of the little girl who she cared for As she was waking up in the morning And this is really I think One of the a great scene in the movie Because it, it speaks to The culture And in a soft way But what happens was is Abilene takes this little girl out of her crib and they go and they sit down in the rocking chair. And the first thing they do is Abilene holds the little girl face to face and she just starts repeating a three phrase mantra You is smart, you is kind, you is important. And she says it over and over again to this little girl. And so the little girl starts repeating it back You is smart, you is kind. You is important. And what's significant about this scene is that what Abilene is doing for this little girl is what every good parent does for their child. Abilene is bestowing on this little girl significance, not based on how she looks or things that she's done, but who she is as as a human being. She has significance and dignity. And what's interesting about our our text this morning is the disciples, when they come to Jesus asking this question about greatness in the kingdom of heaven, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for significance. They're looking for acceptance and belonging and a place where they fit in. And they're looking to Jesus to give them that, that acceptance, that significance, that greatness that they're looking for. But I think as we see, well, as we see in the text, Jesus points out that the greatness they're looking for is not necessarily the greatness that they need. And so in our text this morning, what Jesus does is is he redefines for the disciples what greatness in the kingdom of heaven really looks like. The disciples ask, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus' answer is a multi-layered answer to their question. And in that answer, we're going to take home three things this morning. At least I hope that you take home three things this morning. (laughs) The first is that it's not wrong to want to be great. The second is greatness in the kingdom of heaven looks different than you might think it does. And third, childlike humility is the means by which we achieve kingdom greatness in Jesus Christ. It's not wrong to want to be great. Uh, It's, in fact, wanting to be important and accepted and significant to someone is one of our most natural and basic human desires. We were created to belong, to to be significant, to be cared for and loved and appreciated. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 tells us that we were created in God's image. In being created in God's image, he bestows on us each human dignity and significance and worth and value that is not based on anything that we've done or anything that we can do or the way that we look or where we were born but simply in the fact that we were created by God as his special creation every human being has significance in God's eyes it's part of who we are as his image bearers however with the fall of Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, that connection, that, that source, the connection to the source of our significance was severed. As our, our perfect union, as our parents, our first parents' perfect union was severed by their sin, that connection to the source of their significance was also severed, and so is ours. So now in our fallen state, we have this need, to be that, this basic need that needs to be fulfilled, to, to feel connected, to be significant, to be cared for and loved by something greater than ourselves. And so we spend our lives trying to fill that need. This is one of the reasons, I, I personally think, that identity politics is ruling the day on both sides of the debate today. Whether you're conservative or liberal, it's how you identify with and what group of people you would identify with that matters more than than most other things. By identifying with those who think like we do, value the same things, look the same, dress the same, talk the same, and have similar life experiences, we find this acceptance and significance and in being included in that particular community. This is one of the countless ways that we seek to find and fulfill that basic need. We also do so by identifying ourselves with a particular social class, with a minority group or a majority group, with a certain gender, or any other person, place, or thing we feel may give us the significance that we long for, that That love and acceptance, that connection, that feeling of being great in someone's eyes. Wherever we can find that, that's where we put our identity because it's a need that we constantly need to be fulfilled. The question it all comes down to, however, is where do you place your identity and find your significance? Is it in Christ and his church or is it in something else that was never meant to bestow significance on anyone? If it's not Christ, if it's something else, a person, a job, a status, the amount of money that you have in your bank account, if you're placing your identity in those things, those things will leave you feeling empty because they were never meant to satisfy this need, this basic human need that we all have. They are not where we were meant to find our significance and our acceptance. The disciples in Matthew 18 are looking to establish establish their greatness in the kingdom of heaven, but they are looking for the wrong kind of greatness. And so Jesus has to redefine for them what greatness is. And he does so by bringing a child into the midst of them and fundamentally turning everything they know about greatness on its head, which brings us to our second point. Entrance into the kingdom comes before greatness into the kingdom. Excuse me. Entrance into the kingdom comes before greatness in the kingdom, the disciples are men who are part of a culture where greatness is directly connected to merit and power. Whether it is the Jewish hierarchy hierarchy based on works righteousness, who can keep the law better, or the Roman hierarchy system based on power and influence. In 1st century Palestine, greatness was achieved by either by earning it or simply taking it from another. The disciples are most likely thinking when they're asking this question, hey, we've put in our time, we've followed Jesus, we've been faithful, that's gotta mean something, right? And if if Jesus is going to establish the kingdom of heaven, then he's the guy that I need to be next to. And so they're asking, where do I fit in? What value, what purpose, what significance are we going to have in the kingdom when it comes. But that's not how greatness in the kingdom of heaven works. And it's not even how entrance into the kingdom of heaven works. Jesus says to them in a a way that he sometimes does is he answers their question with something not really, not the answer they're looking for. In fact, he answers a different question. They're asking about greatness within the kingdom but he first responds with how to enter the kingdom. And he says, unless you become, turn and become like this child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Entrance into the kingdom is not based on how great you are or what you have done, but on your being transformed from a child of this world into a child of God through faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus tells the disciples that they need to turn from the worldly way of thinking about greatness and significance and become like a child who, in society's eyes, lack both of these things. To use a child to teach these grown men about greatness and entrance into the kingdom of heaven would have been a very surprising thing to the disciples. They didn't see it coming. And in so doing Jesus turns everything upside down for them and gives them insight into what the into the reality of the kingdom of heaven. So what does Jesus mean when he says you must become like a child and enter to enter the kingdom? Is Jesus releasing us from a need for faithful study of God's word or theology? Is he saying don't worry or think too hard about who I am or my kingdom, but just believe? Is Jesus advocating, advocating for us to have a blind faith in him that is not based on fact or personal experience? Is Jesus just telling us to throw out the years of Bible study, our intelligence, our ability, God-given abilities to think and to know and to process his word and know Him more deeply and just believe. Is that what Jesus is saying? I, I don't think so. And I don't think that the, anywhere in the Gospels you would find um, that interpretation either. For Jesus, becoming like a child means acknowledging our dependence on the grace and mercy of God in Christ Jesus. It means depending on Jesus for our salvation. And everything else that we need in this life. Children, especially small children, and I would encourage you to think of babies and, and toddlers, which is most likely the age of the child that Jesus brought into the midst of the disciples for his object lesson. These small children are for the most part reminded daily that they cannot do most things by themselves. My son packs in his two years and a few months, and he thinks he can do a lot of things by himself. And it is amazing to watch him learn new skills and abilities on a day-to-day basis. However, he is fully aware that there are many things he cannot do on his own. For example, he cannot change his own diaper, even though we, I wish he could. <laughs> he cannot cook his own meals... He, thankfully, can still not get out of his crib, which probably is not going to last much longer. He cannot comfort himself when he falls down and hurts himself. And he cannot give himself the love and affection that he needs to be a happy, healthy child. He relies on Rachel and I for almost every significant human need And he knows that he can trust us to give those things to him because we love him. And he's assured of our love for him. It is this kind of dependence, that assured dependence, that trust, that simple and basic, all-consuming trust in God, that God, that Jesus is telling us we need to have if we want to become like a child and enter his kingdom. It's that faith. That trust, that childlike dependence that we must have if we are to enter his kingdom. If we do not trust Christ and his work on the cross for our salvation like a child trusts his loving parents for his daily needs, we will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And this is an important question that we need to ask ourselves. Can you say this morning that you trust Jesus in this way? Have you acknowledged that there is nothing you can do to save yourself from your sins? Or do you still believe that you are good enough, strong enough to make it into heaven on your own? Maybe you believe that Jesus has forgiven your past sins and now it's on you to keep yourself holy and sinless from this point forward. Or maybe you believe that you are in a stage of life where you don't really need to depend on Jesus, but at some point down the road, you probably will get there, and when you do, you'll cross that bridge. Maybe that's you. That that kind of self-reliant thinking does not fly with Jesus. Entrance into the kingdom is through childlike dependence on Christ that comes from acknowledging our complete and utter need for him. Childlike humility, point three, childlike humility is the means by which we find kingdom significance and greatness in Jesus Christ. In verse four, Jesus doubles down on this childlikeness when he says, whoever humbles himself is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. But I think it's important For us to ask ourselves, what is childlike humility? Uh, It's kind of an interesting phase because what child do you know exhibits humility on a regular basis? (laughs) Most children, in their dependence on others, are not humble but rather fickle taskmasters, right? (laughs) Uh, In a child's mind, his parents exist for two simple reasons to provide for them and to serve their every need, right? I mean, that's, that's why we're here. <laughs> try, try drawing with a two-year-old for five minutes and see how easy it is for you to have your own piece of paper and draw whatever you want with aut- autonomy. Either your piece of paper will become his and he'll start drawing lines and spirals and circles all over what you've already driven, drawn Or he'll tell you what you are to draw. (laughs) You don't have a choice. But that's okay. Because that's what children, children aren't capable of humility like we think of humility. Jesus isn't talking about intentional humility and selflessness and putting others first. That's not what Jesus is talking about. When he talks about this childlike humility, humbling ourselves like these children, he's talking about their stature in society and Jesus is, is talking at a time when children had very little stature or status in society. unlike today, children back in Palestine they didn't they were insignificant. they were cared for, they were loved for by their parents, but within the greater society they were were relatively insignificant. Uh, they, they had no autonomy. Obviously, there was no forethought in terms of what to do with our children, or we didn't make deci- they didn't make decisions based on what was best for the children. They made decisions what was based on the on society best for on society. Excuse me. I just, excuse me, I'm sorry. (laughs) In first century Palestine, greatness was not ascribed to children because they were relatively insignificant. They were seen that eventually one day they would be significant. They would grow, become mature adults. They would begin to contribute to society and their significance and greatness would increase. But as children, they fell into the category of the, that really with the least of these, but not to Jesus and not in his kingdom. In the kingdom of heaven, the greatest are those who acknowledge that, like children, we are utterly dependent on Christ for all things. But just acknowledging our dependence on Christ does, does not stop when we step out of our prayer closets or our front door. We as Christ's disciples and citizens of the kingdom of heaven have a duty to humbly display our dependence on Christ for all to see. If we truly believe that Jesus is all that we need and we depend on him like a child, it's our responsibility as his disciples to put on display for all to see that dependence and what that dependence looks like. If being a Christian means depending fully on Christ for everything that we need, then as Christians, we must show others what that looks like. We need to pray like we depend on Him for everything. Our dependence on Jesus Christ should change the way we pray. We need to forgive others and repent of our sins like we depend on Christ for everything. Our dependence on Christ should change the way we relate to other other sinners. We need to boldly show others the hope that comes from depending on Christ as a child depends on his parents. It's not a, a wish. It's an assured hope. It's a trust Because we have seen it actively played out in our lives that Jesus is all that we need. And if we live out that dependence for others, they will know Christ as the Savior they can depend on. But this starts at home and in the church. If we want to raise children to depend depend on Christ with a childlike dependence, then we as fathers, and Mothers, grandparents, and friends need to show them what that childlike dependence looks on, looks like. We can't. It's a, the temptation as a parent, and I've only been a parent for a couple of years, is to to not show my weakness. Is to not. Look foolish in front of my son. I want him to think I'm cool. I want him to think that I'm great. I want him to think that everything I do is the coolest thing he's ever seen. And I don't want to see him to see me mess up. And I don't want him to see me, him to see me fail. But if I don't show him a dependence on Jesus Christ that says that my failures. Or have been paid for. If I don't show him what it means to trust Jesus for everything, then I'm failing him, even if he doesn't know it. As a Christian and a father, my job is to show my son he he can trust Jesus. And that's our job as Christians each, every one of us in this room is to show others that they can trust Jesus. Jesus, in verse four, is telling us that the satisfaction of our desire, that basic human need that we talked about earlier for significance or greatness, acceptance, connection, appreciation in the kingdom of heaven is not found In how many of the Ten Commandments you keep or in how many sinners you lead to Christ, greatness in the kingdom of heaven is achieved when we humble ourselves to a place of complete and utter dependence on the king of heaven. When we acknowledge our childlike dependence on Christ, it is Christ who takes us in his arms, just as Abilene or Abeline does in the movie Help. But he says something far greater to us than you is smart, you is kind, you is important. If we belong to Christ, if you belong to Christ, his word to you, as he holds you in his arms, is this. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. You are mine and I am yours forever and ever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have such a great savior that we can depend on, that we can put all of our trust in and find hope and peace for this life and the life to come Lord this humility that Jesus talks about does not come from within us but comes as a gift from the Holy Spirit and so Lord we ask for this humility we ask Lord that you would grant each of us in this room childlike humility that we may depend on you and your son Jesus Christ for all that we need